and welcome to a brand new episode of the Partial Historians. We're partial because we have a great love of Rome and partial, I don't know, maybe because we've got opinions on this subject. <laughs> um, but we've been chasing Rome from the foundation of the city and it's pretty exciting because we're about 300 years in. Probably should have flagged this in the previous episode. Uh, but, you know, the traditional foundation date of Rome is 753 BCE. And we have just passed 453 BCE. So we're in exciting territory. And things are really starting to gather a pace for what will eventually be the 12 tables. I am Dr. G. And with me is... Dr. Rad. Very excited to have reached this milestone. It has taken a long time. Imagine how the Romans felt. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Dr. G, as you alluded, we are, we're building up to a big year here. We have been, for really ever since the Republic started, it seems, once it seems that the Tarquins and the Kings had been well and truly flushed out of their system once they had you know dealt with all the attempts to seize power again and all of that kind of jazz ever since we've been talking about the republic really it feels like there's been a growing clash between people within the city and they are for different reasons <laughs> these clashes um, but it does seem to boil down to this thing that we call the conflict of the orders which is this very broad name we give to the varying disputes between these main groups in Roman society. And the 12 tables is often looked at as a big point in the, in, this, uh, in the history of this conflict. And what we're talking about last time was finally, after about a decade of really pushing for a particular concession from the patricians, there has been some agreement that they are going to agree to do the law about the laws thing, to actually write down a law code which is a big moment for any civilization. Your first official written down law code. Yeah, this is like, let's put it in writing. These things are the laws. <laughs> I wasn't just making it up. Yeah. It's over there on that tablet. You might have thought that I was, but it turns out you're <laughs> meant to be beneath me. It's written over there. It's the law. Yeah, exactly. So there has been a lot of tension, a lot of angst about this, but eventually we got a little group of people going off to Athens, apparently, to go and see the law code there. And we Magna Grecia. We don't think that it really happened. <laughs> oh, we think they talked to some Greeks, definitely, um, but we don't know that they went all the way to Athens. It's a long way to travel. Yeah, talked to some Greeks, went to Athens, slight difference, but either way. Um, so we've had that happen. They've come back. There's been some negotiation. It seems that the way we're heading is a decemvirate. Yeah, so this is a very interesting construct. We mm. haven't seen one of these before mm. in the Roman Republic because it's just a bit too new. Mm. Um, but this is an, this idea basically boils down to that there will be power shared between 10 men. Mm. That, that, that's the Latin decemvir. And they're going to be allocated a really specific task. In this case, it's called... Uh, the Legibus Scribundus, Ooh. which is... So they're the decemvirs, the ten, the group of ten men for the writing down of the laws. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have a very specific mission. It's in their title. But the idea is that while they're doing that, there seems to be some concerns that 
how will business as usual happen while people are trying to figure out what will go into the law code. Yeah. And in order to get around the potential conflicts of magistracies applying the law as they see fit, while this group of 10 is trying to figure out what those things should be in the first place, they're going to eliminate all the rest of the magistracies and suspend them for a year. Nobody will hold those other positions, which means we'll have no consuls, Mm -hmm. we'll have no tribunes, we'll have no aediles, all of the things where a magistracy that we understand to exist in this time period, Mm. and that's basically it, (laughs) those are the three, Uh, they won't be filled. Instead, we'll have this group of 10 men specially selected, and their job for the entire year will be to manage everything that goes to a to court, in a sense. Yeah. So anytime somebody has a legal conflict, they'll have to go to these these envirs. But also, there'll be no right of appeal. Their decision will be absolutely final. So they can streamline through the process of not just getting Rome across the line in terms of making sure that the laws are done and enacted in that year, but yeah. also give them time to write the law code itself yes. to be then published at the end of that year. And you might, listeners, be wanting to cheer because it has been now just over 10 years since they started pushing for this particular concession that there be a law about the laws. However, <laughs> however, caveat, <laughs> as we indicated last time, you want to hold on to your hat there, lady or men. <laughs> Or a person of, of whatever gender you ascribe to. Yeah, exactly. Wherever on the spectrum you lie. Because there definitely are some indications that this is actually not about giving the plebeians greater ownership in the state or a bigger position in the state or anything like that, really. But if I can read the law, then I can make the law. It's kind of like, well, you can read the law now. Great, now beat it. (laughs) (laughs) Now get out of here. Yeah, because what we talked about at the very end of the last episode was there is, uh, Livy recorded in my account, there was some debate about whether there should be plebeians and patricians working as part of this decemvirate. And in my account, the plebeians, after some arguing, finally agreed that there would be just patricians working on this board, which were a little... We could be a little dubious about because of the names involved, but we won't go down that path. <laughs> I mean, I will, but I'll wait till you finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have right now. Um, but eventually they conceded, and the reason why they conceded was that there was a deal struck that the deal, the the Achillean law, uh, or the Isilian law, from a few years ago should be kept in place and that other sacred laws should be should be maintained. And this seems to be the plebeians trying to make sure that although it hasn't been represented like this outright in the sources, that basically a sort of land allotment that had been granted to the plebs on the Aventine was going to remain in place and that the tribune of the plebs as an office wasn't going to be done away with. Now, there's your first indication that what the patricians are potentially trying to do here is get rid of these people that have caused them so much grief for so long, the tribunes of the plebs, and that it's not really about doing the plebeians a favour at all. So we already got red lights flashing at the beginning well, of the Well, it wouldn't episode. surprise me that the patricians would be interested in turning this to their advantage. Mm. Um, but there are some issues, um, particularly related to Livy's account, yes. um, according to more recent scholarship. Yeah. And part of the issue is that we just don't know enough about the names. Like, we've got mm. names of the Decimvirs, yes. but we don't know enough about 
what family fits into what category, because patrician plebeian is pretty binary, as we've discussed before. Yeah. We don't know whether we're talking about patricians in every respect, Mm -hmm. um, or plebeian families that ultimately go on to be patrician later on. Um, There's just not enough information from the 5th century BCE for Mm. us to be really sure about which person fits into which of these categories. And we suspect that these categories are later overlaid as well into a more complicated scenario. So even if it is as simple as patricians versus plebeians, we can't actually tell when we look at the evidence that we've got. All we've got is we've got Livy suggesting that they're all patrician, which is his version of events. We've got Dionysus of Halicarnassus, who doesn't really specify for the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get some indication later on that there are some plebeians in the second decimate. That I think is without question. Yeah. But let us wait until we get there. Cause we're kind of, we're racing ahead a little bit. Yeah. Dionysus of Halicarnassus doesn't like to get anywhere fast. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) All right. So let's maybe start with the names. Mm. So according to Livy, as you, I don't know that I can start with the names to be honest. Okay. Well, I can start with the names. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So according to Livy, Mm -hmm. um, as you indicated in your account, uh, the two men who were supposed to be consuls for this year are chosen to lead the Decemberate. Oh, the consuls for the next year. Yeah, we, sorry, when, when we were talking about it last yeah. episode, we were talking about how there were consul designates who mm-hmm. were doing some of the negotiation about this. Yep. And that is one Appius Claudius and Titus Gnucius in, in his account. Okay, mm-hmm. so these, these are the people that are supposedly at the head. I've then got mm-hmm. Publius Cestius. Lucius Veturius, Gaius Iulius, Aulus mm, mm. Manlius, Publius Sulpicius, Publius Curiatius, Titus Romilius, and Spurius Posthumius. Now, no surprises here. We have heard quite a few of these names before. I've actually heard of all of these names before. Yeah. And if we're looking at uh, the names just as a list which are obviously, it's hard to visualise, but just imagine 10 men who look vaguely similar. Uh, <laughs> that would be my suggestion. We don't necessarily need to concern ourselves with the characteristics of each of these men, yeah. um, but it is important that as far as um, records go, most of these men have been listed as holding a consular position at some point. Um, and some indeed, fairly recently. All of them. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, some of them actually fairly recently. Um, so even though these are names we recognise... Um, some of these are kind of new names. Yeah, so know. names that have popped into the consulship quite recently. Yes. Which might be an argument that they come from a less distinguished that's land. That's where I was going. That's where I was going, yeah. But nonetheless, um, that's what we've got. Apparently, um, uh, uh, the last couple of guys were older men, and they were chosen. Ooh. They were chosen because they thought that the others thought that they'd be less difficult basically <laughs> and they just have to go go with the flow you know i think importantly as well three of these men are the three that were sent out to talk to the greeks about their law codes yes three of the men were definitely uh, which makes sense yes well i mean it does except that we think this is fictitious anyway <laughs> <laughs> in this fictitious story about <laughs> yeah exactly uh, but appius certainly seems to be um the main the man of the moment, in my account, for sure. Um, and it's really interesting because he, as soon as he becomes a decemvir, he seems to become 
a totally different person. They're, oh, oh, well, yes, yes. Well, yeah, I've got some stories about Appius okay. Claudius. Yeah, um, allow me to take you through some details because he starts out like this year. He's great. This whole year, yeah. he's fantastic. Absolutely. Well, just to, for listeners that might be tuning in just for this episode, the Claudians at this point of the of Rome's history are not known to be friends of the people. No, they're yeah. a, they're a staunch upper crust types. Yeah, they've usually been pretty harsh, gung-ho patrician types. Mm-hmm. Real hard asses. And ap- people, people with the name Appius Claudius... <laughs> In particular... Especially so. Renowned yeah. for being douchebags. Yeah. So, apparently, this was exactly who this Appius Claudius was at the beginning of this year. But when he becomes a decimver, all of a sudden... He becomes a bit of a man of the people. And oh, yeah. You obviously have some stories about this, so I won't go any further. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Appius Claudius. This is, these stories in Dionysius Halicarnassus is part of the reason why we suspect that he's not the same Appius Claudius that was consul in 471, because he was harsh. Yes. Very harsh. Yeah. Uh, this guy, on the other hand, seems like a delicate flower, man about town, the sort of guy who smiles and, you know, men want to be him, women want to be with him, sort yeah. of character. Um, and the reason why he comes so much to the fore is partly because the consuls of this year, um, and we're in like 452 at this point, um, one of the consuls, Menenius, becomes quite ill, um, is not able to do his duty, which allows Cestius, the other consul, to be like, I can't make any moves because my consular buddy is unwell. I can do nothing. And Appius Claudius is like, don't worry, I'll look after setting up the Decemvir stuff myself. And everyone's like, cool. Um, so he talks with the tribunes, works closely with them, and he thinks about um, how this can be about building unity for the whole of Rome. Yes. Um, and this is going to be great, and he's super excited to be part of it. And he speaks at the behest of the tribunes to the Senate. So he comes forward and he's like, look, this is the thing that we need to do. Um, I'm very excited about this. Obviously, we need to appoint lawgivers. You know, citizens need to have um, space to understand the equality of their rights. Yeah. Um, and having this put in place, this decemvirate where we strip out the other magistrates for a year and just really focus on getting this law code done, it's going to be so great. Yeah. Um, really would love the support of the Senate so we can do this. And really totally happy to not to not take on the consulship for the next year that has been designated to me in order to make this happen because I think this is what is best for Rome. So happy to sacrifice myself in this way. Um, it's so reasonable. Yeah, yeah, so willing. He's like, if, if it means that resigning the consulship is the thing that I have to do to get this across the line, I'm on board, totally on board. But again, you know, I've, again, I've actually got goosebumps on my arms because <laughs> I just... I just don't trust him. <laughs> oh, he's very excited. He's very yeah. excited. And everybody's like, oh, okay, this will be great. Um, so they, they're like, okay, well, you know, let's bring it all together. So mm. they carry the motion. The motion's put forward. It's led by Appius Claudius because the Senate is like, sure, that sounds like a great idea. You lead the motion. He's like, I'll do it. Stands up. He's like, let's do this thing. Everyone's like, cool. Um, and they decide that these people, this decimvirate will govern for a year. Mm-hmm. They will have the same authority as the consuls. Yeah. All other magistracies will be suspended. 
the men will be selected will select from both Roman usage and Greek laws in order to create this code mm-hmm. in order to create the best of institutions into their body of laws. Yeah. They will the laws will then be drawn up and if they are approved by the Senate and confirmed by the people, they should be valid for all time. Okay. It's going to be which, great. It's going to be great. Which, I mean, and this is the thing we should flag now about the, the eventual product of the Decemvirate. And this is both of them. I'm using the collective name because there are two. Um, the 12 tables, this law code that the Romans, that, that these Romans produce, it apparently was still being learnt by heart in Cicero's day, you know, hundreds of years later. The Romans themselves definitely looked at this as being a very important, uh, I was going to say document, that doesn't sound like the right word, but you know what I mean. A very important text, I should say, for the foundation of their civilization. And as we said before, it is a big deal to write down your law code for the first time as a civilization. It is a huge yeah. deal. And it perhaps comes as no surprise that like, after this is announced and it's, the motion is passed in the Senate, uh, the tribunes go to the people, have an assembly, and they're like, look, this is the guy that has done so much to bring this whole thing forward. Can I put your hands together? A round of applause. The man of the hour is happy as bloody. I mean, he struts out. Everyone's like, woo. That guy. Doing? He's like, I'm not even going to be consul. It's going to be great. <laughs> and they're like, oh, wow. And he's like, you know, the people is more, it's more important that we get this code done. And everyone's like, yeah. Um, the populace, somewhat naively, at that point, decide that he will be their first choice to be Decemvir. Yeah, well. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Mm, yeah, so there's a, a centuriate assembly mm-hmm. uh, for the election of the Decemvirs. Yep. And... The names that we've already gone through, yep. they're, they're all there. That's yep. uh, very exciting. And it's almost as if nobody has really thought about the bigger implications of this setup. Like, normal lore is basically suspended at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Rome's normal operation ceases. Mm. And the implications of this will not become fully clear for another year or so. <laughs> yeah, there's a pretty big moment that's coming. There's a big moment coming. But it, won't be, it won't be this episode. <laughs> no, it won't. But it's coming. Yeah. And Dionysius also foreshadows this for us in okay. his narrative. Yeah. Um, and lets us know that uh, he does not, this is Appius Claudius, does not preserve his probity, uh, but becomes corrupted by greatness. Um, in his own authority. Well, I, th- I think I mean this is this is really the story that we're telling of the first and the second De- December, isn't it? There, it is again suspicious to the point where I think we have to doubt our sources how different in character they both are. Um, and I think that again, our sources are leaning into a black and white presentation of things. So the first December is just. It's just sunshine and lollipops. Fantastic. So good. You know, the ten tables. We've got a law code, guys. Absolutely. (laughs) Ten tables tables. has a ring to it, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah, it it, it is that feeling of they all got along so well, everything (laughs) went so swimmingly. Oh, yeah. And and this is this is really like there's some nice details about this actually. Yes. So as we slip into 451, we don't have consoles. We've just got the Destin Vis now. It's very exciting. 
But they decide how that they're going to do this in a way that's really conducive to um, a feel that this is about the citizenry being all together. So one of the ten has the rods, and another one has the insignia of consular power. Yep. So you've got two who are running about with some, like, you know, bits and pieces of the consulship. Yep. And everyone's kind of like, okay, that destined to be is there, all right. And they're like, where are the others? The others all decide to just dress up as normal citizens. No mm. insignia, nothing. They're just wandering around together, like a group of ten people. Now, this is cool. Yeah, think about the laws. <laughs> that is... Very suspicious for a bunch of patricians. <laughs> you know, they're just wearing their sunglasses. Clearly there are no young water. hot patricians because if they were young hot patricians, they'd have their sunglasses on, they'd be smoking, they'd have yeah. their combs in their back pockets. Nah, there's none of that. They're the jackets. They're wandering around in their second best pair of sandals. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty good. Um, everyone's like, wow, this is like democracy in action. Look at those guys. Don't they're just like us. Man. Don't get too comfortable. Yeah. Um, they spend their mornings arbitrating cases. Yeah. Um, and in the afternoon, they sit around and think about what will go into the tables. We're like, what will be in the law code, guys? You know, <laughs> I've had a tough morning thinking about cases. And now I'm ready to think about law. And we want it to be fair. We want it to be really fair. Yeah. Apparently. Not really, because when you look at them, they're completely not. But, <laughs> but we want them to be fair according to Livy and Dionysius. And everybody yeah. seems pretty happy. Like, even though they've got absolute power, essentially, and you can't. Uh, come back for an appeal of any kind. Everybody seems pretty happy with the way that they're doing the law arbitration in the mornings. Sure. Um, so this puts everybody at ease. The plebeians like, oh, these guys are pretty, you know, they're very reasonable. Well, as I said, I mean, even though eventually the law code that comes out isn't magically making the plebeians super powerful and equal with the patricians, I mean... Would you really be expecting that at this point in time as a plebeian person or any person who's not a patrician? I feel like not. I feel like that's not a surprise. I feel like it's more, I mean, at a base level, and as much as this sounds a bit disappointing, at a base level, it is about knowing the odds you're up against, isn't it? It's not really about leveling the playing field. Well, and I mean, I put it to you. I mean, this was never from a patrician perspective about leveling the playing field at all. No, that's what I mean. Um, No, I feel like no one's really expecting that. mm. And the patricians would definitely be using this as an opportunity. and, And this is, again, something that we see happen a lot. When there are disturbances, this is when you do get these crises. And the worse the disturbances have been, the more you get the more laws you get. It's like a a general thing that you can point to. So yeah, producing lots of laws like this, it's because there's been a lot of disorder and problems. amount of problems and actually this seems like a really stable year partly because the conflicting magistracies of the consulship and the tribunate are not functioning right now exactly so it looks pretty good on the surface because all of a sudden you've just got one group of people who have all got the same set of powers they've made a prior agreement about 
how many days each of them will have the rods. Um, so the Fasces and the other insignia. Yeah. So there's a sharing of the power, but it's just between 10 people. You can yeah. see how this would be easy to negotiate. Um, particularly if, as Livy says, they're all coming from the patrician class. Um, this would be even smoother, you would assume. So things are looking pretty good. Appius Claudius really shines mm-hmm. as uh, the figurehead of this group, um, standing out as the charismatic one. Um, I don't know what he's doing on the street to gain this reputation, but it seems like, you know, he can do no wrong. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And he is enjoying that, uh, really yeah. embracing that role. And... They create 10 whole tables. They're very excited. It goes into a public consultation phase. So they're kind of like, we've written them. There's like, so when we talk about tables, we're basically talking about giant slabs, essentially. Um, They probably at this stage in the public consultation phase, maybe been inscribed onto some softer stone. Yeah. um, You know, just to make it really visible and stuff. But they haven't been fully agreed upon yet. There has to be senatorial agreement and then there has to be uh, an assembly yeah, yeah, absolutely. of the people. So we go into a public consultation phase and this seems to be fine. Everybody's kind of like, that's cool. These 10 are all right. You yeah. know, it's, it's okay. And the Senate produces a preliminary decree. And then we have a centurion assembly for some voting and stuff. And the people ratify what's there. Yeah. But it seems pretty clear that the laws are not, it's not a complete law code. Um, mm. And we can get into some of the details, I think, at some point about what is in this code. Yes. Um, but it's not its not really the code that anybody's expecting, I don't think. At least, I mean, we as historians are not expecting a kind of code like this. Although perhaps it's given the narrative framework that Livy and Dionysius of Halicarnassus are putting around it. It feels like they're setting us up for a type of law code that we don't get. Yeah, well, I mean, and this is the thing. I think we, I think we, you're right. We will deal with the actual contents of the twelve tables um, in a different episode, maybe a mini episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly, whilst recently the the bone of contention between the orders has been actually codifying the laws, the law about the laws. Um, before that, there has been some mutterings about land allotments. Um, going all the way back to the 480s, you know. Um, so, and this is where we come back to that question of who are the plebeians? I'm sorry, Dr. G, I keep going back to this Who thing. are you? Who are the plebeians? Because the reason why is that, again, it makes sense that there are different groups within the plebeians who want different things. You have got some people who are potentially more prosperous and more powerful, um, who are probably more concerned about actually having access to power and having that set out in a law code, for example, you know, what they can and can't do, what they're entitled to. Whereas there are other people who are probably much more subsistence level, maybe maybe rural, that kind of thing, um, who are more concerned about the land allotment. And, and so there are different focal points for this conflict of the orders. So when we look at the law code, we might be expecting to see... Maybe something on Agar Publicus. Exactly. Mm. And we, we don't... <laughs> really get that uh we a bit awkward (laughs) we get some we get some interesting stuff but it seems to be on a whole bunch of things that aren't really connected to what have been the main areas of debate apart from the fact that there is definitely some mention of debt debt has been an issue um but again it doesn't seem to really be making it better 
Yeah, it, it more talks about the conditions of debt bondage. It's not saying... So what happens it... when you get into so much debt that somebody has to buy it off you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think part of the way that we can understand the ten tables yes. as, it, as it emerges yes. is that they're doing case law in the morning. Yeah. And then they're sitting down in the afternoon and they're like, what sort of cases are coming up all the time? Mm-hmm. What should we have some rulings on? Yes, yes. And in that sense, it reflects... Um, or you can draw um, parallels to other early law codes in sure. other cultures yeah. where it's kind of like, what are the everyday issues that we're facing that we should have a consistent ruling on? Yeah. And and there is definitely a concern about things that would bother people who are from the patrician class. There's a lot of stuff about like whether directly or indirectly about private property. Um, and, you know, things like, like marriage laws might not seem to be about property, but of course it kind of is because you're talking about Two families being united in a certain way, and what's you know what goes down with the transfer of goods in those sorts of deals. There's a there's a lot of concern about that, which was why when you look at the twelve tables, you're like, ah, this is the aristocracy <laughs> looking after their own, <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> and making yeah. sure that it's written down. Yeah, and yeah, there is a sense from across the board, and maybe this is coming from a senatorial perspective, but maybe it's coming from the people. It's not at all clear. Yeah, that this code of laws, these ten tables that are created in 451 are an incomplete set of laws and actually there are some more that need to be produced and this becomes a really important point Mm. because it feeds in nicely to what we've been suspecting and indeed Dionysius now says it as well is that there's an interest in the suppression of tribunition power yeah and one of the easy ways now uh, having gotten away with it once one year of decimvirs. How about another year of decimvirs? And you can you can see the uh, uh, the cogs turning, being like, wait a minute, you know we're never going to be done writing this law code, um, yes. which is you know, very Roman, I have to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're getting into this um, idea of how can we just rein in that subversive element that we found so disruptive to public life. Yeah. Um, from our position of patrician power maybe we should have another group of decimvirs yeah and so Livy actually mentions there being an election for the next set of decimvirs um and so of course if there's an election there's campaigning dr g oh yes (laughs) and of course there's again um in Livy a lot of anxiety about who's going to get the job Okay, and it's I think pretty plum roll right now. I think what they're really saying is patrician or plebeian. What's uh, it going yes. to be? Uh, and Appius Claudius is acting really weirdly because he definitely wants to keep the position that he has. He's quite liking it. He's quite liking it. Oh yeah, but he's doing some of those shy. Oh no, I couldn't possibly. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can't come right out and just say you want it. So you're way too direct. Yeah. Maybe if you pressed me, I would take it on. <laughs> Yeah, so he's really buddying up to the plebs and the tribunes. <laughs> and the other decimvers, I mean, for the first time, Dodgy, there's a little bit of division. Ooh. I know. Not a lot. <laughs> but his his previous colleagues are very suspicious. At first, they're like, this guy's the best. <laughs> oh, my God. Abby's Claudius. Yes. Um, but now they're watching what he's doing in the build-up to this election and they're very suspicious and they're very concerned. They don't want to come straight out and accuse him of anything 
but they are watching him carefully mm. in my account okay Is interesting that, yeah. yeah no they don't get a mention at all in Dionysius okay uh, as far as uh, Dionysius of Halicarnassus is concerned. Appius does his whole, oh look, I you know, I know, I could do it again, and obviously I'd be great, but I, I shouldn't, you know, you know, it should be other people, unless you know you really, really want me. Um, but at the <laughs> same time, he's also sort of like encouraging people to vote for other people that he knows. He right. manages, according to Dionysius, he manages to get seven of his buddies. Um, so himself and six friends, uh, (laughs) are basically elected into this new, um, Decemberate. Okay. So he's really got, um, a good balance, um, in terms of his ability to leverage, um, at that point. So Quintus Fabius Vibulanus, um, seems to be, um, a big buddy. Um, and then we've got others, other patricians noted by Dionysius as favoured by Appius. Although there are some quibbles with this because yeah. definitely um, we get a sense from other scholarship that we could have an even split between plebeians and patricians in this December. Yeah. But according to Dionysius, that is not true. Um, so it's all patrician according to him. Well, it's there are three plebeians. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so... Other patricians, those favoured by Appius, Marcus Cornelius, Marcus Sergius, Lucius Manucius, Titus Antonius, and Manlius Rebulinus. I have all of those listed, yeah. And then we get these three uh, characters positioned as plebeians. And you'll notice that their names are a bit different as well, which yeah. kind of gives a hint, because we haven't seen these names before. So we've got Quintus Potelius. Hotelius. Yeah, it's a really tongue twister. And a, it's a tongue twister, that one. Yeah. Kaizo Duilius. Yep. And Spurious Opius. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they definitely are not names that we are comfortable with. <laughs> yeah, these are names that we haven't really come across before. So, at the very least, they're, they're minor people getting into a position of power. And maybe we should always be suspecting when we come across a new name coming into power that actually we're not getting a patrician family, we're actually getting a plebeian, even if they're not labelled as such yeah. at this point. Well, as I do find this so interesting because given the way that Appius Claudius apparently has been conducting himself to secure this position, it kind of almost makes sense that there might be some, plebe- some plebeians amongst the number now because he's... He's got some buddies in there now. He's Well, that's the thing. He's really been... But like, when I say he's buddying up to them, I mean he's been openly bad-mouthing the patricians and he's been saying wow. how amazing tribunes like Achilles were. Um, so, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, Lippy, he, he, he wasn't just He wasn't just hanging out going, hey, would you like some ice cream? He was openly going against his own class it, wow. seem, it seems in the in the build-up to this is big because i i think livy's going places with this well i love the way livy describes it he <laughs> says um when he's talking about how you know his colleagues are looking at him he says uh it was evident there could be nothing genuine about it so proud a man would certainly not be affable for nothing <laughs> Ooh. which which again totally it does gel with the por- portrayal of appius claudius that we've got up to now because he really was so such a proud patrician. Um, I, I get where they're coming from. I'm also suspicious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the occurrence, this build-up into this new December, is kind of takes me to the end of this year, really. That's that's kind of the big stuff 
I feel like we should pause here because what comes next is such a big yeah and thing. yeah and yeah yes we keep flagging that there's something big coming but yeah. oh boy yeah um, so we've got we've got a second Decemberate we've got new laws coming people mm. what those laws are well hopefully I know and there'll I think... be at least two more tables <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> gotta get to twelve summer exactly. Um, and we've got, yeah, a big year ahead for this second December. So you've got to make sure you tune in next time. But in the meantime, Dr. G, this means that we are once again ready for the partial pick. Ah, uh, yes. And you are the category master, I must say. So. Well, I, I have to say, I feel like I don't need my calculator today because I think that even though there's been some interesting things happening... Because it's been a peaceful internal kind of year, as we always say, it's not going to be. There's no points for being peaceful in our measure. No, it's not. Um, so basically, listeners, the partial pick is where we wrap up, look at some categories, and Rome has the opportunity to score fifty golden eagles, five categories of ten. So let's start with military clout. Ain't been no military that I read about. Nope, nope. That's a zero. Yeah. Uh, expansion. Nope. Diplomacy. Ah, there's something here. Ah, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. So diplomacy. Look, yeah. I think you know, the fact that we're actually doing some law coding now, we've had we've had ten tables produced. Absolutely, yeah, and seemingly a lot of niceness. Yeah, and everybody's <laughs> been pretty excited. I mean, the fact that I mean, we kind of skimmed over it, but I'm actually amazed that they 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 did put the laws out there for the people to people got to have a yeah, comment on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a consultation period. It was all very civilized. Yeah, which I mean, I suppose that does make sense because as we know, Rome isn't out and out ruled by the aristocracy, technically speaking. Well, it's not supposed <laughs> the to people be. have their little toes in there. <laughs> but it's it's just been so rare that we've got to see See it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, and this would have been big for people because uh, it's not happened in Rome and people would be like, You're telling me I get to go and look at those? I, uh, I get to look at the laws you find they've written down, see the rules, yeah. and then say whether I agree with them or not. <laughs> and there's bound to be people showing off their rhetorical and verbal skill as they perform the laws in order for people to understand them. Because mm. obviously you can only have a certain amount of crowd around these uh, big slabs yeah, of, yeah. of whatever it was when they're in their temporary form. But even then... Um, what's literacy like we're not even really sure at this point so chances are somebody's going to be reading them out loud performing them um to give you a sense of what's going on so you can talk to everybody about it um it's going to be really interesting everybody's going to be like oh this is new and different i'm having a good time i mean you know i survived the pestilence and now look libby is quite clear that there were there were some changes made Hmm. you know that um people did comment and that they were tweaked in accordance to the comments received. So, oh, what? I, mean, I know. Our governments don't do that. I know. Um, so, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah, it, it is kind of it is quite bizarre. So, yes, we do actually see some people taking part. So, what would we say? Like a. I think, I feel like it's got to be like a seven or eight. Like, things are pretty good here. This is a negotiation. I, I feel like I feel like we'll go for an eight. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so then we've got Weirtus. Mm. Mm. It's a bit difficult with this kind of stuff. I mean, Abius but... Claudius is doing some great things. Yeah. Um, I don't think we can judge him from hindsight. Foreshadowing. <laughs> um, no. So, We're meant to be judging just on this year, but is it worth us? That's uh, the thing. I, I don't think so, not really. He's just doing politics, which, as far as the Romans are concerned, is not a huge demonstration of your manliness, necessarily, because it's more about your... 
physical prowess. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like it's more they're commenting on it because it seems so uncharacteristic. Yeah, And it's not just him. It is the whole thing. I mean, apparently there was this whole to-do with Gaius Julius as well, um, you know, in a murder case that happened. Perhaps we could give him some points because he does do some speech-making, at least in Dionysius of Halicarnassus. And speech-making, when it's well-received, is usually a signal of your manly virtue because... Yeah, you've you've demonstrated something that Rome values. So in that sense, I think he, he gets some kind of point for Weirtus. Should we give him like a, a two? Ah, a two. Yeah, well, I, I just said speech is a speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it wasn't a big one. And Dionysus Halicarnassus didn't spend pages on it. I was going to say, is... you, if you didn't read sections of it out, I don't consider it worth my attention. Yeah, fair so. enough. <laughs> yeah. And finally, the citizen score. Mm, it's a great time to be a citizen. It's a magnificent time to be a citizen. I'm very excited to be a Roman right now. Yeah. So Somebody read me that law code. <laughs> everyone apparently is being treated very fairly. I mean, admittedly, the only concrete example I have, this murder trial I was talking about of Publius Cestius, it is about a patrician. So. <laughs> Awkward. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, I, th- I take it as an example of the fairness well, there seems to be a, of the justice. a yeah, yeah, and a shining that the Appius Claudius takes a shining to the plebeians, and they really respond to that. Yeah, um, I think they feel like the they're point p- where he's dissing his own glass. <laughs> yeah, they're like, wow. Yeah. Um, so I think they feel like they're part of maybe something bigger now. Yeah, which is exciting. Yeah, and there's no war, and there's no famine that's specifically mentioned, <laughs> and there's no pestilence, it would seem. Yeah, everything's everything's great. So I would say this has got to be another eight. Yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah, I How mean, much better does it get? I'm not giving it a full <laughs> ten, because we are aware that the laws, I mean, sure, they're taking people's opinions, but as we've, as we've highlighted many times, it's not saying plebeians are equal to patricians in rights. <laughs> oh, this is true. This is true. Yeah. There's, uh, there's more fighting to be done there. Yeah. So that leaves us with 18 out of 50 wow. golden eagles. Just goes to show, Dr. G, how much life can improve once the pestilence is over. <laughs> no, that's a big jump up. From... It was a big jump up. And you know what? Considering... Rome cons- bounces back. Considering that this is not... Uh, military year. That's actually fairly high. Hmm. We, we've often talked about the fact that we do have this kind of imbalance. The points do skew towards particular elements of the Roman yeah. uh, behaviour. But I, I feel like we should mention why it is that we're allowing this to continue. We are aware of it. It is because we're trying to judge them on what the Romans themselves considered to be important. We're, we're looking at what they prized in their civilization and how they would track their progress. Um, we, we may still consider introducing another category, who knows, but we we are shining a spotlight with the partial pick on what the Romans would have been proud yeah, of. Yeah, what's important to a Roman person. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of these ideas come through in Latin literature and getting to see how their own history weighs up against their own understanding of Romanness is really, to me, it's quite fascinating. Absolutely. Um, they often perform poorly. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the Romans. All right, so that's 18 out of 50 Golden Eagles. Dr. G, it's been such a delight talking to you. I'm really looking forward to talking about the second December in uh, a bit more detail and seeing what oh, else they get up to. I'm very excited, especially to see what's going down with Appius Claudius. Yeah, and if you have found what we've been talking about interesting, do check out the little mini episode that we will do on the 12 tables. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
It's Dr. G here and just want to say a big thank you from Dr. Rad and myself to all of our supporters on Patreon. We are living in unprecedented and very interesting times and we hope that the work that we do brings a little bit of lightness and joy to your day-to-day -day lives. Without further ado, we'd like to send our thanks to Joel, Sharon, Roman, Savannah, Sean, Theodore, Mark, Paul, Jacob, Tamara, Ensley, Adri, Nick, Justine, Zara, Dana, Austin, CW, Gunnar, Teresa, Joshua, Andrew, and we have one last very extensive message from one of our fabulous patrons and we wholeheartedly endorse this message as well. Our final patron has named themselves this time. Happy Saturnalia to Dr. G, Dr. Rad and all my fellow listeners. Stay safe and take care. <laughs>